0: If you would, please turn your Bibles to Mark, Mark's Gospel. We're going to continue on there. Get our mind off money for the moment. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. And we'll begin reading in verse 40. A leper came to him, that is to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling down, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. But He went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to Him from every quarter. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your Son. Thank You for a place to meet. Thank You for the saints and the gathering together. We pray you take your word and use it for your glory in this hour for our good. Help us, your people, Lord. Pray you'd enable me to have freedom and liberty to proclaim it. And Lord, you give ears to hear. You'd have pity. Lord, you might call a leper even unto yourself today. For Jesus' sake. And in his name we ask. Amen. Well. Last message we largely looked at verse 35 here and uh focusing on Jesus' prayer life. And we also discussed the remaining verses there in that paragraph, which highlight Jesus not being swayed by the masses, nor his disciples, and all the excitement that was generated there in Capernaum over all these wonderful works that he was that he was doing and over his teaching, he spoke like never a man ever spoke before. And just so impressed and such an impact on the people there. But Jesus would not be driven off course from what His Father was calling Him to do to proclaim the arrival of His kingdom and calling sinners to repentance and faith. And, and, and by the way, brethren, that's exactly what He's called us to do as a church. The same thing. And also, we looked at the insight Matthew gives us there in Jesus' time in Capernaum, where he he later upbraids the city for their unbelief and just their real, carnal, superficial response to his ministry and to his message. They were, face it, they were simply after the benefits. They were after what Jesus could provide them physically, receiving it all. Yes, excited, receiving it all, but with unrepentant. Hearts, unbelief, and so Jesus tells his disciples, "No more healing clinics. It's it's time to move on." And as Jesus does so, Mark allows us to see this encounter with a leper. Now, this is one of two encounters that are recorded in Scripture that Jesus has with lepers. And it would seem he very likely. It's a safe assumption that he healed more. I mean, even his disciples healed lepers. You recall that in Matthew chapter 10. I think that's often overlooked in the Scriptures. When Jesus commissions the twelve, He tells them, basically, duplicate my ministry. Go proclaim the kingdom of God has come. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, and cast out demons. His disciples were doing that. They did that. But as far as Jesus' own specific dealings with lepers, we only have these two accounts. This one here and His meeting with the ten there where you have the one that returns. So let's look a little closer at this paragraph, work our way through it. I think you might be surprised by what we discover here. We're just going to look under it in these three very basic headings. The leper's dilemma, number one. Jesus' response, number two. And then number three, Jesus' dilemma. Number one, the leper's dilemma. Verse 40, And the leper came to Him, imploring Him, and kneeling, said to Him, If You will, You can make Me clean. Now, if you have any familiarity with the Bible, you probably know something of what what a leper is, right? If you don't, well, you're about to. So we're going to talk about leprosy. Leprosy in the Bible, it, it represented actually variety of skin diseases. We see that in Leviticus 13. There are numerous skin conditions that are described there. The, the term literally means morbid scaliness. doesn't sound too appealing, does it? Some conditions were, were, were temporary and eventually disappeared. However, the most prominent form of leprosy is what we refer to today as Hansen's disease. And brethren, up until the 1940s, there was no cure for it. No way of stopping this thing. I mean, dermatology has come a long way since this man was born. A long way. I mean, today you you got some strange. I mean, you you start aging, you start getting some strange things and strange spots and lesions and unwanted growths, and but you know what? You 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 get concerned and you go see a dermatologist, right? Your local dermatologist, and he will start examining you and looking you over, and he sees something he doesn't like. He just breaks his can out and blasts you with negative three hundred degrees of liquid nitrogen, and boom! You you walk out, and you know, hopefully, it does the job, and. If you make that appointment with your spouse, you get the added pleasure of watching your facial contortions while he's basically torturing you with that thing. It feels like it's about 30 seconds, but it's like about, about eight seconds on that thing. But we have the blessing of that today. Things that have a potential threat, just freeze it. Boom. Well, this guy didn't have such a privilege. Not at all. Guy in our story didn't just have spots or age spots or moles or something that was a potential threat. We're talking about a man who had advanced leprosy. And we learn that really more from Luke's account. He says this was a man full of leprosy. That would be the Hansen's disease type of leprosy. And if you contracted such a disease prior to 1940, you had a serious problem. Because it's an infectious skin disease that causes severe sores, even open wounds, nerve damage, rather than disfigurement. I mean, once it's contracted, it just—it's it, a slow advancing disease. It attacks the nerves, the nerve endings in your fingers and your limbs, and it gets into the bone marrow, and it just—it just starts. It creates this catastrophic effect, this domino effect on the body extremities go numb, hands, fingers, toes, your limbs start drawing up, deforming. It's just a brutally decaying disease. And added to that, misery. Leprosy brought with it just serious social ramifications. Practically being cut off from everyone being ostracized by the local community. So so the emotional and mental anguish resulting from leprosy can can be as bad as the disease itself. It was. I mean, it still is. It's a contagious disease. But you know, I, I was surprised by it. Interestingly enough, there's still some mysteries about it. I mean, it's not fully understood. I mean, it's a bacterial infection, so, so many experts believe it's something that's transmitted through the air and basically coughing and sneezing just like a lot of illnesses are. But there's still some things that are unknown. I was listening to MacArthur on, on, on this passage. He didn't mention his source, but he said there was, there, there's actually scientific evidence that links this, the origin of leprosy to Egyptian mummies. I thought... Wow, that's interesting. You know, because what's happening in mummification? You're seeking to preserve a body, right? That act, that that activity. Think about it. Man's trying to preserve something, and it ends up being the source of one of the most destructive, deformative skin diseases in mankind. I mean, it, that seems rather fitting, doesn't it? God, humbling us in that way. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's true, but. What he was sharing. We do find the Lord making people leprous, right? Remember that when Moses first encountered his first encounter with the Lord and he's telling him what he's going to do and he's all intimidated and uncertain and he says, Moses, put your hand inside your cloak and pull it out. And he pulls it out and it's all white and leprous. He says, Go ahead and put it back in. He puts it back in, he pulls it out, it's, and it's clean. We also find the Lord making people leprous because of their sin against him, right? Remember Miriam, Uzziah, the king, and his pride? God transfers Naaman's leprosy upon Elisha's servant because of his deceptive greed, right? I mean, those are good passages actually to take to your word of life, friends. Or, you know, ch- to challenge their health and wealth dogma and their idea that all diseases come from Satan, from the devil. God would never give anybody disease. All you got to do is read the Bible. But, but leprosy, have you ever seen a leper? It's horrible. No doubt, I mean, no doubt, the, the removal of this disease from our culture for the most part, I mean, it, it does somewhat, somewhat hinder us in our ability to, to truly appreciate what's happening in this scene here with this, this leper and Jesus. Not having seen it firsthand uh, what this disease looks like, the presentation of it. For for an Israelite brethren in that day, outside of death, it was one of the most terrifying things that could happen to a person. To be diagnosed and labeled unclean. In Leviticus 13, if, if you would please turn there, we have the... Essentially, the, the ancient diagnosis and treatment of dealing with this disease. Primitive dermatology, if you will. Leviticus chapter 13. I mean, it's really dealing with it even into 14. But Leviticus 13, verse 1, the Lord spoke, spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when a person has a on the skin of his body, a swelling or an eruption or a spot. And it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body. And he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priests. And the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair of the diseased area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, It is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. And then Moses continues and he starts providing all these different scenarios. But let's skip to verse 45. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose And He shall cover His upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as He has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. This thing just gets worse. I mean, there's a spiritual element to this thing. To have leprosy is to be declared in the sight of God unclean. And unclean in the Old Covenant language means to be defiled before the living God. You can see why it was such a dreaded disease among the people. The disease itself was just one factor of the horribleness of it. You got the the, the social, the mental, the emotional impact of this disease was just also very horrific. He shall live alone, alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. I mean, not only did this disease destroy the body, it destroyed your name, your reputation, your job, your family. Your relations to people. You you couldn't gather with the saints. You couldn't fellowship with, with the brethren. You couldn't, I mean, you couldn't embrace your spouse or your children or your grandchildren. Cut off. Think about that. On top of all that, the pronouncement of unclean not only meant a sentence of banishment from others. Yes, for the, for the purpose of protecting the community, that was one of the reasons. But it meant banishment from the presence of God Himself. Primarily to drive home to the people the, the, the perfection and holiness that God requires of them. To be unclean is to be unfit before God. To be cut off from Him. F- fellowship? Listen, fellowship with God has always been and always will be on the basis of cleanliness. God can't tolerate defilement. You must be clean. You must be cleansed. So leprosy costs you everything. It was like bearing the stigma of a living death. And, And brethren, There's a reason behind this. It is in this disease that sin is truly made manifest to be what it really is. Utterly detestable, demoralizing, and destructive. Make no mistake about it, leprosy is God's depiction of the sinfulness, the deep sinfulness of mankind. It's a pictorial display of what sin has done to us, image bearers of God Himself. This is what sin has done. made us lepers. It's detestable to communicate that reality to us. It defiles us. It's rotting. It's it's decaying. It's putrefying. It's a a disease that destroys the life it possesses. Unclean! Unclean. That's what they were. That was they're commanded by God to warn others. Unclean, unclean. Stay away. I'm unclean because if you don't stay away, you're going to become unclean. They were regarded as the untouchables. Can you Imagine that. No one wanting to be around you. You having a reputation of being an untouchable person. That's very. You want to keep that in mind. So we find out what Jesus does here in a minute. Required, they were required by God to provide the clearest visible evidence that they were unclean, which required wearing ripped, torn clothing, your hair all disheveled and, and unkempt, and I mean, as I was as I was reading, I was thinking this be, it's sort of like modern-day hipster fashion, isn't it? I mean. Not quite. They they had to cover the upper lip. And that alone would seem to suggest that it was, you know, airborne, the airborne nature of it being transmitted, right? The Lord knowing that, he implements the covering of the mouth to reduce the spread of this thing. So apparently masks are biblical. <laughs> but, brethren, what a thing sin has done. That's what, that's what we're supposed to get from this whole thing of leprosy. This is what sin has done. It's wrecked us. It wrecks humanity. It has wrecked humanity. I mean, God, God gives us, He's given us this life to freely, to have it, to enjoy it. And, and we foolishly choose a path that leads us into Destruction. It destroys us. I miss the commentary, the sad commentary of humanity. We're lovers of decay. We're lovers of things that destroy us. I mean, why is there talk right now about a Civil War 2.0? Why are we applauding and lauding men putting on lipstick and wearing dresses and trying to pretend like they're women? Why do we have the two men, these two men that we have to choose from to run this nation and be president? I'll tell you why because we love darkness more than light. That's why. It's because it's due to this leprous disease called sin. That has wreaked so much havoc upon us, we can't even see straight. We can't even acknowledge basic realities. And so we call evil good. And we call good evil. It's all due to being unclean and cut off from the living God banished from His presence, banished from His wisdom, banished from His favor. For this reason God gave them up. This is the reason. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. That's what Paul tells us in Romans. Man, you read Romans 1 lately, it's like boom. I think he's writing this with a prophetic eye to 2024. You know one of the things that happens in leprosy? I mentioned it, the nerves go numb. If your your limbs are not totally messed up just by the disease itself, they can become messed up and they do become messed up just by way of injury. I mean, the body has no warning system because of because of the, the the nerves go dead. And so lepers can easily injure themselves. They can burn themselves. They can cut themselves, and to- and be unaware of it. I-, I was thinking about I was thinking about the spirit, the spiritual parallel to this in conjunction with my, with my granddaughter Harlow. Uh, <laughs> she's a busy little bee now, and all over the place. And but she seems to be drawn to things that are not intended for her, um, things that I mean don't even seem like they'd be appealing. Isn't that off often the case? You buy the hundred dollar toy and there's the child over there playing in the box. And but nice, you set this nice little $30, $40 interactive toy, and it's all engineered to, to stimulate their, their you know, baby skill, or motor skills and all that jazz. And, and quickly she's bored with that and she's on to something else. She's over here playing with knickknacks on the on the uh, on the coffee table or chewing on the edge of the coffee table. And, and you know, so you set her down, you put, put a toy in front of her, you turn around, and, and lo and behold, there she is with a uh, old shoestring in her mouth has been missing for three months. It's got dog hair all over it, and was smiling from ear to ear, like like a leper. She doesn't know it. She doesn't realize that's disgusting. It's harmful. It's not something to put in your mouth. But like a magnet, for some strange reason, she's drawn to it. I mean, that describes fallen humanity to a T. This leprous disease called sin acts the very same way. It numbs our minds. It it makes no sense. People like magnets are drawn to things that are not good for them, but yet they can't control it. They're drawn to it. Things that actually end up destroying them. Outside of a loving, gracious work of God, outside of the power of God upon your own soul, Anybody's soul. We're no different than my granddaughter. The Lord gives us this beautiful world to enjoy, to inhabit, to explore, to enjoy in Him. And we're over there in the corner chewing on the old shoestrings of sin. Makes no sense. And yet, it's the most pervasive reality about us left to ourself. It is. So here comes... This banished leper to Jesus and all all that that entails. I mean, the text tells us he came to Jesus. I mean, this is a very bold move here. And, And note the leper's request if you will, if you will, Jesus, you can make me clean. I mean, how's that for faith? This, does, this man doesn't question Jesus' ability to, to heal him. He questions his willingness. I mean, if you're willing, Jesus, it's just a matter of your will. If you will this to happen, then, then you'll make me clean. The shock of the story is twofold one, that Jesus could and would heal leprosy. But secondly, and more, more so, this, this leper actually took it upon himself to approach Jesus, which was highly forbidden. I mean the audacity of this leper to approach Jesus. He he's violating the law. Granted, it's not every day Jesus rolls into town, but this was still an unlawful act. The action of this leper does, brethren, it does clearly represent the resounding impact that Jesus made upon that region. Just one day after Jesus starts this ministry, he starts preaching, he starts healing people. The new the news of his wonderworking power reaches all the way into this distant, desolate leper colony. Where it was at, I don't know, but they're away from the people. And this guy, imagine it—he's sitting there. You know, there's a few of them. They're 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 isolated. They're cut off, but they're hearing this news. He's he's hearing about these miraculous things that are happening. Maybe there are people he knew. Oh, he got. He got, yeah, he was blind. He sees now? Are you kidding me? He was he was he was born paralyzed. He's walking? What? Hey, if, if that man can do that for people that are brought to him, then surely he'll be able to make me clean. He'll take away my leprosy. I mean, it had to be how he reasoned. And so, put myself in that leper's shoes, I mean, I'm already approached to the community. I am. And so he takes his chances at i breaking the Levitical code of uncleanness and he comes right to Jesus and he kneels down before Him and he says, Jesus, if You will, You can make me clean. We're not told of any other lepers that accompanied Him. Nobody would dare do it. Well, secondly, Jesus' response. Verse 41 tells us Jesus was moved with pity. He stretches forth His hand and touches him nobody did that nobody he stretches forth his hand and touches him and says i will be clean you know we are we're full really whatever we're full of it, it tends to overflow in our life. Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks, right? You know how you can tell somebody who's full of themselves? Well, I mean, all they talk about is me, myself, and I. Well, Jesus is full of compassion. And it just overflows from Him. This guy comes and asks it. The compassion's just flowing. He reaches out and touches him, and He makes him clean. That's what the text tells us. Just overflow. No hesitation from Jesus. You hear that? You who sit outside of Christ. No, There's no hesitation in God to make you clean. The hesitation is yours. He's He's ready to make you clean. Right now. In fact, the I will here is present tense. Meaning Jesus is ever willing to make you clean. Now, from the surface, I mean this looks like a great a story of great faith, the great faith of a leopard, and the great compassion of a savior. Many, many think so. I mean, but what does the context bear? No doubt part of what's happening here is a picture of the gospel. No question. That's what's being put on display. Jesus is the one and the only one who can and does deliver mankind from this cursed disease of sin. And by doing so, He makes them clean through and through. That's the spiritual lesson here. One must come to Jesus in order to be made clean. We're all lepers by birth. There's only one way to get rid of your leprosy and it's through the man Christ Jesus. But aside from that, I'm not convinced that Jesus healing this man necessarily means He saved his soul. And I don't, for reasons discussed in our last message, Jesus healed countless people in Capernaum and then pronounced very serious judgment on that that, that city later in Matthew because they were unrepentant. And it seems to me that might be true of this man as well. First off, let me address this. There is a textual variant here. And I wasn't going to address this, but... It's not widely known, and in fact, I didn't know about it until this last week. Thankfully, brethren, that shouldn't cause us any alarm. There are thousands of manuscripts, copies of manuscripts, which significantly help us sort out these textual variants. And by textual variant, what I mean is there, there exists two or more manuscripts that say something different than the others. I mean, that happens. We have that. The words expressed in the manuscripts are not the same. I'm talking about the manuscripts from which our English translations come from. There are numerous variants amongst those many manuscripts. And and brethren, you get that simply by virtue of weak, fallen creatures that we are. Instruments. Making mistakes as they copy. How many times the Bible's been copied? The original copy and copy and copy and how few the mistakes are is incredible. It's incredible. But there are some changes. There are some words that aren't the same. And let's face it, you also get scribes that think they know better. Think they should change a word for whatever reason. Almost all translations here translate the text moved or filled with compassion. Compassion. Our ESV friends chose the phrase moved with pity. Basically the same thing. That's no issue. However, I'm thinking there's a good likelihood of someone sitting here with an NIV translation. Is that true? Anybody here got the NIV? What's, it, what, what's, your, what's your Bible say? Nice and loud. Verse 41. The beginning of verse 41, what does it say? Yes. Yeah, the NIV reads, Jesus was indignant. That's what he read. And you might think, what? I mean, how can it be so different? Yes, most manuscripts convey compassion or pity, but there are a few, including the oldest Greek and Latin parallel codex, which reads, indignant or angry. Douglas Moo, who I consider to be the best, now that Gordon Fee is with the Lord, the best living biblical scholar, he says, I got 14 commentaries on Mark and 13 of them prefer the word anger. Brother, I'll just tell you, I normally stand up here on Sunday very confident in what the text says and what it's teaching. But I honestly don't know regarding this variant. Yes, I could have overlooked it, but I I think there's weight to it. I do. In some ways, it doesn't really matter because both translations or interpretations are explainable in the text. They are. But I am sympathetic to the NIV choice in this context. Not only because of what we discovered in the last message in Jesus' disposition, but because of what we discover right in the direct context here. We're going to get there in a moment. Either way, if the correct reading here is Jesus was moved with pity, then it simply reflects the act, right? That's, I mean, that's fitting. Jesus is showing pity. He, he, he demonstrates compassion here. That, that could very well be why most manuscripts have that language. They either have it because those are Mark's actual words, or they have it because scribes thought it best represented the moment, or it was a copying error. Well, I mean, one of those three reasons is true. But if the correct reading here is Jesus was indignant, it doesn't really change the remainder of the narrative. In fact, what we've once we look at verse forty-three here in a minute, I think what we're going to find is, if anything, it supports Jesus being indignant. Brethren, just think about it. Let's just use our sanctified imagination for a moment and put ourselves in Jesus' shoes right here, at this scene right here. I mean, this is the Holy Son of God. You and I, we know holiness to whatever extent you and I comprehend holiness. We do so because of a holy God, what a holy God has done for you and I, and what He's revealed of Himself to us. Majestic in holiness, doing wonders. This is Jesus. He's the God of the universe. The God of all creation. Whom the universe could not and cannot contain, yet here He is standing embodied in human flesh, and He's standing there looking at His creation through human eyeballs, seeing what He's seeing. And what does He see? This disfigured being. That was created in his image. That's what he's seen. I mean, he just, in 24, hour, think about what he's seen in a 24 hour period. This guy over here gyrating and flailing all over the place because he's filled with demons. Then you got this person coming in with this horrific disease and that horrific disease. And you got the paralyzed guy comes in, the paralytic guy. This guy can't see, and he can't walk, and he can't talk. And now he's met with this grotesque figure of a man. These are human beings made in his own image an image that he perfectly stamped upon, upon Adam and Eve in that garden. And they were, they were perfect, they were holy, just like him. Now, with human eyes at ground level, he's witnessing such image bears ravaged. By sin and all of its devastating effects. You think you might be righteously angered by that? Grieved by what's happened to your most prized creation? You see, if Jesus is indeed indignant here, He is so over what sin has done to the work of His hands. But, Regardless of the proper emotion expressed by Mark in our translation, Jesus is clearly demonstrating compassion here. Just just like He did the day before. A a faith-filled compassion that not only allowed this guy to approach Him and come down and kneel before Him, not just that, but a compassion that actually reaches out and touches the leper. That's astounding. I mean, this is an unprecedented action by the Lord Jesus. Not only was it forbidden, that action would automatically, boom, make you unclean. No one would dare do it for that reason and for the reason of it spreading upon them. Not Jesus. Love compelled Him. And, And listen, Jesus had no sin. He could not be defiled by sin or any other sinner. Impossible. But, brethren, it seems like this. It's like, let's pause again. We pause and we look at him there alone with his father praying. Look at this scene. What what it tells us about the Lord Jesus. I mean, this is what's so amazing about him. I mean, he gets right down to the level of where people are at, he's not put off by it. I and mean, he just genuinely engages this guy. I mean, you remember when I was talking about the Jesus at the baptism, when he he gets down into—I mean, symbolically, he's he's stepping down into those sin-filled waters and he immerses himself in it. I mean, he, he came to identify with our sin, yet he's sinless. Yet here he is just immersed in it all, not put up, put off or put away. He he came to love us right where we're at. Listen. I don't know what's going on in your life. I can tell you this Jesus comes right where you're at. You don't have to try to turn over and be better, do better. You can't. He sees all the filth. He sees the filth far greater than you do. He knows the very dregs of your soul and all the horrificness that you can't even, you've forgotten about already. It's all there. You know what? It doesn't stop him from reaching out and touching you with a touch of compassion a touch of tenderness i mean that's what jesus this is who jesus is I me mean, we talked it we saw it back there a few few verses ago right peter's mother-in-law he comes in and we're told specifically he lifts her up by the hand and as he does the fever leaves her this is often the case with jesus touching people genuine touch of compassion same thing happens here. Jesus touches the unclean, or the unclean leper and He says, be clean. And you know what Mark tells us? He uses another one of His immediately's. Immediately! Mark says the leprosy leaves his body. And the man is made clean. I want to ask you, do you know the cleansing power of Jesus? That, that's really what matters. When you want to boil life down to the, the, the most important matter, it's this. Not whether you come to church, not whether you read the Bible, not whether you're religious, not whether you know that Jesus died on a cross for that, that, he, that he died on a cross for sinners. But do you personally, experientially, know the cleansing power of this Jesus? He makes lepers clean. He doesn't touch them with love and send them away as a leper. That's not what Jesus does. That's a false Gospel. This Jesus makes people clean. He does. Now yes, verse 43 has puzzled many folks. And like I said, the cleansing here is certainly pictorial. Whether, he, whether he, this guy is saved or not, I don't know. The Lord does. But pictorially... God is communicating a spiritual reality. That's the overarching theme here. But yeah, verse 43 has puzzled a lot of folks because of the language used in verse 41. He was moved with compassion or He was filled with pity. Moved with pity. But more also, the language itself here is very strong in verse 43. "...and Jesus sternly charged Him and sent Him away at once." And I think the confusion is partly based on a false characterization of Jesus, a very unbalanced view of His his gentle, meek, and mild demeanor. Listen, this this is the Holy One of God. And and the Holy One of God is always, I mean always, concerned about righteousness and holiness. He is. At all times. Can Can Jesus be indignant and compassionate at the same time. Well, I think He can. And I think He is. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. Brethren, that's actually putting it lightly. The the phrase, sternly charged him, get this, it means (laughs) to charge with indignation to charge with anger. He's moved with anger. It's the same word translated scolded in Mark 14.5 describing how the the disciples responded to the woman. Remember the woman comes and pours the uh, the, the, the ointment on Jesus' feet and they're all taken back. That stuff was massively expensive. And and they start scolding her. That's the word. Same word. I, I was listening to MacArthur at the gym, and as I'm listening to him, he gets to this point and he says it, it it literally means to snort with anger. And then he says, Jesus snorted at him. I'm like, come on, John. He snorted at him like a horse. I get home, brother, I got four Greek lexicons. You know what they say? To snort to snort with anger. To be greatly agitated. To snort with anger. To be very angry, move with indignation, to snort like a horse. Which you, you really would be referring to the, the flaring of the nostrils. You've seen that in a horse, I trust. I mean, the point being, there's no sugarcoating this here. Jesus is angry. And Jesus means business. It's as if Jesus is rebuking the guy As he commands him. On top of that, the phrase sent him away, the Greek word for away means to drive out or to cast out. It's the same Greek word translated cast out in verse 34 and casting out in verse 39, describing Jesus casting out demons. It's to eject by force. I mean, this is no bon voyage here. And personally when I found out the language of snorting and casting out by force in verse 43 it only added considerable weight in my mind to the NIV's translation of verse 41 but either way either way it seems the most viable explanations for Jesus angry disposition here has to do with one of three things maybe all I don't know maybe all Number one, Jesus is upset for this guy rashly and boldly breaking the law of God in the manner that he did. Secondly, Jesus knew once again that the mercy he had just shown this individual was not received with repentance, and he was about to demonstrate that. And thirdly, he was upset because he knew this guy was about to greatly hinder his public ministry, and he did. You know what we don't find Jesus saying here? We don't find Jesus saying, your faith has made you whole. We do find that with the One that came back when He faces the ten. He knew this man's heart was about. He was not inclined to obey Him. He sensed that. And so his nostrils flare up, he puts his finger into his, in his chest and he looks him straight in the eye and says, you see it to it that you say nothing to anyone. And then He follows up with instruction of the law that's laid out in, in, in Leviticus 14, which would require one to you know, go show yourself to the priest, offer the sacrifices. That, were, that would actually require Him to travel to Jerusalem. Keep in mind, this is up in Capernaum. This is up in Galilee. He'd have to travel to Jerusalem for this. And once you get to Jerusalem, it's about an eight-day process. This is all explained in Leviticus 14 if you, you want to read that later. But... Uh, yeah, all that instruction is provided. And Jesus tells him, go do it. Sternly warning him, like a, like a parent does their wayward child who's just bent on doing evil. Go do what you're supposed to do. You'll never convince me, ever, that Jesus broke the law. You say, what do you mean, brother? I mean... Clearly, He touches the leper here. Isn't He breaking the law? No, He's not. He's actually fulfilling it. This is what people don't understand. Jesus is demonstrating the highest principle set forth in the law. Love. To love your neighbor as yourself is to actually fulfill the law, not break the law. This is the first time in a number of places where Jesus establishes a higher or the highest principle of the law love. To love him with all your being and your neighbor, just like yourself. Upon that, he says, hangs all the law and the prophets. All of it. Jesus upheld the law. your is not a lawbreaker. And He proves it by telling this man in verse 44, you, you go do what the law bids you to do. You go see the priest. Tell the priest what happened. Make, make all the offerings. Wait your eight days that Leviticus 14 tells you to. And, and then the priest will pronounce you ceremonially clean. I mean, Jesus is so incredibly kind to this man. Despite His irreverent, regard for the law of God, despite His disobedience that we're going to see here in a moment, Jesus showed this man compassion. Incredible compassion. Just like He's done many, to many, 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 many others. You realize the Bible teaches that the riches of God's kindness are intended to bring us to repentance. Repentance. God's love is overflowing into the lives of every one of his creatures that he creates. Countless demonstrations of his love and kindness. Well, lastly, Jesus' dilemma. We see it there, right? Verse 45. He doesn't obey Jesus. I get it. Many folks will point out well, I mean, just, brother, just think about it. He's. He couldn't contain the joy of what happened to him. Well, I mean, if I went to my dermatologist and I had skin cancer and he said, i got this, I got this pill, only one available. No one else can get this. Take it right now. And I walk out of that office and I'm, it's gone. You think I'm going to be full of joy? You better believe it. If my skin condition's been healed, I'm going to be full of joy. I'm going to talk about it to everybody. That doesn't mean my heart's right with God. It doesn't have any connection with the person of Jesus. But it is plausible. It very, very well could be. He could be some man who's just got converted. He's in love with Christ. He can't shut up about it. There's an aspect of that that's real. It's very plausible. But again, I, I go back to this. The demons obey Jesus' command. And this man doesn't immediately after being healed. Now, I don't know about you, When God saved you, did you just run out back into sin the moment he did it? Can't fathom that, but and the demeanor of Jesus here is not exactly like the demeanor with the centurion, right? (laughs) Doesn't seem overly impressed with the guy's faith. I mentioned the other account where he does affirm that he was healed by his faith. His faith made him whole. And brethren, the consequences of this man's disobedience totally altered Jesus' public ministry in all of Galilee. Verse 45, But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that... Here's the impact of his disobedience so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to Him from every quarter. Everyone wanted Jesus' attention. Everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. They wanted to see more. They wanted to get more. They wanted to retain Jesus and His power for their own purposes. And the demand was so much, He couldn't even travel into the cities. There there does seem to be an intended spiritual parallel in these final details that Mark gives us. Jesus went from public liberty to desolate isolation. While the leper goes from desolate isolation to public liberty. Jesus takes away this great burden from this man And this man repays Jesus by placing great burden upon Him. Limiting His ability to be out in the public to share the good news of His Kingdom. Jesus took the place of the leper. Not only did He do the unthinkable by by reaching out and touching us, brethren, you and I if you're a Christian here today, He became our leprosy. He was cast out because of it for us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By by becoming a curse for us. By taking our leprosy upon Himself. Well, we're going to break up here shortly and have a business meeting soon. How does that relate to this? there are only two types of people in this room right now. Only two. Those that are clean and those that are not. You have clean people and you have unclean people. And I'm not talking about if you took a shower today. I'm talking about spiritually, before God. There's no other category but those two. Only those two. And brethren, those of you here that are Christians, part of this church, it's because you were healed of the disease of leprosy. Spiritual disease. And you know what? You know what the Lord has called us to? As a church, to go out and proclaim His glorious gospel. To go out and proclaim the great physician that takes away this disease from the world. That's why we're here. That's why God left us here that's our calling. And we've got lepers out in every one of these streets. And you got lepers all over your workplace, and you got lepers in your family, and we got lepers right here in our midst. Look at Jesus words there again in verse 41 as we close. I will be clean. Like I said, that's present tense. I am willing I'm ever willing to make you clean right now. What about you? Are you willing to be clean? Do you know the cleansing power of Jesus? Jeff was mentioning that song, cleansed by the power of the blood. Are you washed by the blood? Do you know that washing? This leper here is no no different. No different than the unclean spirit in verse 26. Jesus commands him to come out, boom, he's gone. Jesus commands this guy to be clean, boom, he's clean. Jesus has the power and He has the will. Don't say, I've, I've tried to repent. Don't say, I've sought God. Don't say, I, this, that, and the other. Listen, if you come to Christ and He's your only hope, He's willing and He's powerful. If you say, it's not enough, you, you're the liar, not Him. Jesus commanded this man to be clean, and it happened. Jesus alone has the healing power. The only power to take away the corruption of your sin. Don't Quit, quit looking to all the broken cisterns of this world. He, he's the fountain of living waters. He's the only thing that can cleanse you and make you clean and permanently do so. You just need to do like the leper in the story here. Come with all your filth. All, don't try to hide it. Don't try to get better all your filth, all your defilement, throw yourself at the feet of Jesus Christ and cry out to Him, Lord, make me clean. Please. And if you do that, you know what will happen? You will gladly submit yourself to His Lordship. You will. You won't be just looking for a certificate that says I'm clean. You'll be serving this One who made you clean. And you'll seek to promote His kingdom and not hinder the promotion of it. We sang it, He brings the poor, vile sinner into his house of wine. Have you tasted? I'll come to Christ for cleansing. Lord, thank You. Lord, thank You that You didn't leave us in our leprous state. Lord, I I pray You would use Your Word in the lives of those who are just content to sit in their darkness. And in sin, Lord, do what we can't do. Have mercy on our loved ones, on these dear people that are here today. Lord, thank You. Help us live as clean people in Your sight. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen.